Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Today is Tuesday. It's the 23rd of January, 2018. I am coming at you from the mobile studio once again. All right, let's get that contact info out of the way, and then we will go ahead and jump in with the show. The voicemail, 206-745-2731. If you'd like to send an email or record your own audio, I'll be happy to get that on the show for you. The email address, firearmscafe at gmail.com over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com. I do have buttons for Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There is also a PayPal donation button, and if you are ever so inclined, any donation would be greatly appreciated. All right, on this segment of the show, it may be a little bit shorter. We'll kind of have to see, or it may end up being the whole show. I don't know. We'll kind of see what's going on. So today being the 23rd, I think today is the first day of something that's kind of a big to-do in the gun community, and that is SHOT Show, and that goes on up in Las Vegas, and I believe today is maybe what they call Media Day, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm interested to see kind of what's going to come out with SHOT Show, or what are the what are the products that are gonna that we're gonna see? So the question is, are we gonna see a lot of stuff that's really sort of new and innovative, or are we gonna see kind of maybe some of the same old ideas trotted out? I don't know. Usually with shot show, excuse me, kind of stumbled over that shot show. There we go. Usually at shot show, there's a couple of things that are maybe the highlight, and then there's you know, three or four things that are kind of kind of the low light, I guess, or maybe kind of a you have sort of stuff that's fantastic, and then you have some stuff that's maybe kind of a dud. So I'm I'm curious to see kind of what those things are. And you know, speaking of shot show, I'd like to go to it one of these days. I I know it's it's uh, kind of crowded and it's a little bit of a spectacle, but. That's one of the reasons why I'd like to go to it, just to have the experience. I don't, uh, I don't know that I would get a whole heck of a lot out of it. It would be, uh, but again, it would be fun. It would also be fun to kind of meet up with some people that are uh, friends through the internet type deal, fellow podcasters and and uh, fellow people kind of in the gun community a little bit. So, anyway. I guess, I don't know, I, I don't know, I would think, and this is sort of my, kind of my logic, I guess, I would think that because of sort of the downturn in sales, and it doesn't mean that sales have dropped off to zero, but when Trump got in, of course, when uh, when everybody thought that Hillary was going to get in, and uh, I was one of the people that thought this. I thought there was going to be just waves of panic buying. And I think the the industry thought she was going to get in. And so a lot of stuff was kind of 
geared up, so to speak, to maybe kind of deal with that. And when that didn't happen, there was a big surplus. So I don't think I don't think last year's shot show of 2017, I don't really think there was a lot of super new innovative stuff. And so I'm kind of wondering, will it be the same this year? I guess last year the Darling was the Hudson 9. I haven't really heard too much about that. Uh, I, I know that you know sometimes a lot of the, the times what they're doing is they're maybe have limited production because they're a smaller company that's trying to do it. Uh, but I haven't heard much about it lately, good or bad. I, I know it's kind of a pricey firearm, so I don't know how many regular Joes out in the public are going to go ahead and drop the coin on that when there's other stuff that you could get that would, you know, quite frankly, kind of do the job just as well. So, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. That's why I don't know. I made you an update. I plan on uh, dropping this show probably on maybe Friday or Saturday. Probably it'll be more like a Saturday. And then I'll kind of see what sort of floats across Facebook and what kind of floats across some of the blogs and stuff, and we'll see if anything interesting is, is going to come out. Now, speaking of, well, let's, okay, let's we'll talk here in a little bit about something that I think came out maybe a few days ago. They're, both Remington and Mossberg put out a shotgun, uh, a pump shotgun, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra sauce on these shotguns, I guess we could say. So anyway, we'll talk about those here in a second. But I guess if I could if I could wave my magic wand and I could say, well, what would I like to see come out? And you know, what would I like to see maybe come out from the major manufacturers and then also from some of the smaller guys or some of the aftermarket guys. So let's start with some of the major manufacturers first. And let's start with Glock. What I would, There's a couple of things that I'd like to see Glock do, and I don't think they'll ever do it. Number one, I'd like to see Glock do something a little bit more similar to what HK did with the VP9, meaning where you can really get some modularity with that grip frame. So, uh, you know, have like different panels, this, that, and the other thing. And that is one thing with the, uh, with the HK that I really liked is that you can, no matter whether you've got gigantic gorilla paws or you've got just regular size hands, kind of like somebody like me, or you've got smaller hands, you can uh, make, sort of customize that thing the way that you want. And Glock's tried a little bit with the different back straps, but I'd really like to see them this have a thing, again, like HK did, where you've got a lot of modularity with the frame. Uh, I'd also like to see Glock come out with, and this is, we'll stay sort of in the pistol stuff, I'd like to see them come out with a dedicated uh, 22 pistol, so something in 22 long rifle. I don't know, I and I since I'm driving, I can't really look it up, but I don't think that they have... Uh, I don't think that they have a 22 pistol. Maybe they do. If, if somebody out there knows, you can correct me. I haven't really done any searches for it, but I haven't heard anything. And I would think that it would sort of be kind of in the zeitgeist of the gun community if they did have one and everybody would be moaning and complaining about why can't we get it in the States type thing. So anyway, I would like to see them come out with that. Maybe 
uh, take something like the Glock 19 frame or something that size and do it. That seems to be one of their most popular pistols that they have. And then I would also like to see from Glock, I would love to see them kind of do something like Ruger did, which is make their own their own carbine. Again, I don't know if they ever will. Uh, maybe sometime in the future they will if, if Ruger's thing is really popular. I don't know. Uh, it seems that there is a market for them, and especially if you look at that pretty much every pistol caliber carbine, if you want to have a chance at, at having, uh, I almost want to say popular sales, but that's not the right terminology. If you want to have a chance of getting uh, some good market share, then I think what you need, all the all the, the people that do, I guess what I'm trying to say is they're all using Glock magazines because Glock is one of the most common handguns that's out there. So I would think that Glock could say, well, hey, maybe we could get our, our foot in that market as well. So, but who knows whether that will ever happen. But again, this is all magic wand type stuff for me. Now, what I'd also like to see from HK, and I've kind of complained about this for a while. I have, as you guys know, I have a VP9. And you are limited to 15 rounds. Now, you can get extensions for those. But I'd like to see them sort of do a little bit of work and come out with a 17-round magazine. And I think all they would probably have to do is come up with some alternate springs and just make sure that the springs were reliable. When you look at a Glock 17 magazine and when you look at a HK VP9 or a P30 magazine, they are pretty much identical in, in size. So I don't, I don't see why you couldn't have a 17-round magazine. And then I think if they did that, boy, they could really compete with with the Glock 17. Uh, other stuff from HK, again, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those. I re, I've really grown to like that paddle release. Uh, and I'd like to see also, I'd like to see HK come out with a VP9 or, or a um, VP9 SK version, but in 22. I think that would be pretty cool, so... Now, as far as aftermarket stuff, maybe a little bit more love for the AK guys that are out there. There is getting to be more and more stuff all the time, but I would like to see some more adapters and some more stocks maybe for the AK uh, to just to make it a little bit more ergonomic, things like that. All right, enough of that kind of SHOT Show nonsense. Let's talk a little bit about the shotguns that I had talked about both in Remington and in Mossberg, and how they had put some extra sauce on their pump actions. So I saw a thing, I guess it was maybe sometime last week, it was a few days ago, anyway, it was that Remington had a, a pump action shotgun along, uh, based on their 870, and it came with a detachable magazine. And then yesterday, I saw a thing, uh, it may have been on Facebook or just on, on the net in general, I can't remember which, but Mossberg came out with their version, I think it's a 590, of uh, their pump shotgun, but with the detachable magazines as well. Now, it looks like, if I had to say 
who do I think maybe came up with it first or who had it more, who, who has done a little bit more development? I would probably say that it was Mossberg because it looks like on the Remington, they just engineered a magwell and kind of bolted it up to the gun, to their existing gun. And it looks like what Mossberg did is they still took their existing gun. They still took their 590. But what they did, they designed their magazine and the receiver to kind of mesh up. And it looks like uh, on a video that I watched about it. Now, of course, that's, that's said with a grain of salt, too, because it's coming from Mossberg. So this isn't like... Uh, you know, uh, Joe down the street is doing his video review and this is what he sees. So this is definitely, it's a controlled thing. So who knows whether or not, uh, any of the stuff that we see, if, if these guns are cherry picked or if they've been kind of smithed on a little bit to make sure that they, everything functions on them. So they, at that point they become basically, uh, what do they call like pro shop versions or almost custom versions uh, just to make sure that they're run. So anyway, when you look at Mossberg shotgun, their box magazine uh, has almost like a, uh, a dovetail type thing so that the, the magazine has, I guess we'll call it pins for lack of a, a better word, that's in the plastic. And then in the, re- in the receiver on the gun, from what I saw, has... Uh, the slots kind of milled out so that when you put the magazine in there the the pins on the magazine go up and mesh with the slots on the receiver so much like a dovetail joint or a finger joint in woodworking and then it, it supposedly locks in and it has a oh an AK like magazine release sort of um So my question on that stuff is if you have a, uh, those lugs on the magazine and if you drop the gun with the magazine, are they just going to shear right off? Are they strong enough to take it? Uh, It's different than a, an AR All right, I'm parked now, and I've got about another 10 minutes or so. The question with both of them is, of course, will they be reliable? Now, the videos that I have seen, and I'd watched a couple on the Remington, and they went out to, uh, that gun seemed to have been loaned out to more individual testers. The Mossberg stuff that I saw, the only thing that I saw was sort of a a representative sample of one. And the question I have is, of course, now those guns were reliable, but the question that I have is, were those guns cherry-picked? Were they gone over by their their custom shop or their gunsmiths to make sure that they worked and they fed and the magazines were, you know, hand-picked and all this other stuff? So would the production things that you and I would get or have access to, are they going to be the same as those? And we've seen before with Remington that they've done some kind of, oh, 
behind the scenes stuff where they they did sort of just that with that R51. And then so it, so let's say let's say that they are reliable. So that a, a production gun that you could buy would actually be reliable. Well, then you're looking at the cost and the cost of them they're around $800 each. I don't know that I would want to pay $800 for a pump shotgun whether it's got a a detachable magazine or not. I don't know that it's worth double the price of what I would pay for kind of a tricked-out 870 or a tricked-out Mossberg, you know. And then you sort of have to ask yourself, well, you know, who, whenever these guys come out with with a new product, they do have a, a... a target audience in mind. And so I wonder, well, who is this really marketed to? Are they going to market it to hunters? Well, probably not because a lot of, a lot of states you can't hunt with more than three rounds in the gun. Is it going to be for competition? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. But in a lot of competitions, like in three gun, it seems that those guys all favor the longer tube, uh, semi-autos because they can shoot those pretty dang fast and they've had some of the the bugs kind of ironed out of that would it be marketed more toward the home defense line uh, you know maybe but there seem there seems that there's so many other options out there uh, if you're in your home Odds are, now it's not that it would be impossible that it would happen, it would be highly improbable that you're going to have six guys or ten guys come into your house. You, you may have two or three, uh, which is generally when I worked in, in probation, when you would read all the police reports and everything, a lot of times even your uh, your burglary crews would be three, maybe four guys tops. And usually one or two of the one or two of those guys was usually outside kind of waiting. You had two or three that would come in. So let's say that if your top thing is about three guys, well, if you light somebody up with just say like a, a tactical pump action shotgun that's on there now, uh, that's on the, in the market now with extended tubes and everything, you know, you could, I've got an, in fact, I've got an old Mossberg that I bought at a pawn shop and it holds, um, if I'm using uh, two and three quarter inch shells, I think I can, if I remember right, I think with one in the chamber, I can have a total of eight. So my tube will hold about seven. You know, so at that point, I don't know. Um, and I almost think it's, 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 they're almost more like a novelty type thing. It's, it's the idea that you've got a, uh, a pump shotgun that is kind of debug technology, but you've got a pump shotgun that you can, in the case of uh, Remington, you would have six rounds that you could reload really, you know, pretty quickly. In the case of Mossberg, on the video that I saw, they said that we're going to have, they were going to have five, 10, 15, and 20 round magazines. Now the 10 round magazine that the guy was showing looks pretty bulky. And they did one thing where they showed a guy shooting the 20-round magazine. And that thing was just a monster. So I don't know how practical it would be to have a 
20-round box magazine of gigantic 12-gauge, two-and-three-quarter shells. You know, it, if you bump it, if you hit it, is it going to shear right off of the receiver? You know, I, I don't know. And again, that goes back to a lot of the reliability stuff. So let me know what you guys think. I mean, from one standpoint, yeah, those things would be a lot of fun. And it would be a lot of, but again, it goes back to that novelty thing of, you know, maybe you could say the five or the 10 round magazine on there would be quote unquote, you know, practical or could serve some purpose in home defense. Um, I don't know. It seems like it's so big and it's so bulky and that the way that the magazines are inserted into the receiver you know it's different when you look at an ar-15 or some of those type of things is your magazine is going up in there pretty far and again that stuff those those type of rifles especially the ar-15s and the ak-47s those things have been debugged and they're the ak's they're locked in but also a big part of that magazine is in there and i i wonder if you're going to have the same durability that you would with these particular shotguns. So anyway, let me know what you guys think. I got to call this segment to a close and I'll probably do a a little bit of a follow-up maybe on Friday or Saturday and then I'll go ahead and and, uh, bust out the show then. All right, I'll talk to you in a second. All right, everybody, I'm back in the studio, and I've time-warped you a little bit. I know I thought I might get it out on a Friday or Saturday, but today is actually a Sunday. So let's do a little bit of a follow-up on what I was talking about on Tuesday. I don't, I, in, uh, once I edit it, everything together, I don't know if I kind of repeated stuff. Once I had pulled into the parking lot, there was kind of a gap from when I was talking until I got situated and everything, so I may have repeated some stuff. So if I... If I do in part two of the of the mobile studio, I guess, segment, if I have repeated some stuff, just kind of bear with me. Anyway, let's talk a little bit and do a little bit of follow-up with the SHOT Show stuff that I was talking about. So did I see anything, now that some time has passed and SHOT Show is over, did I see anything from looking at some of the videos that really kind of blew my hair back? And I don't know that I saw a whole lot of stuff that was super new and super innovative. There was there were a few things I thought were pretty cool. And there were some, I guess, maybe extensions or maybe continuations of ideas. So, uh, and I forget what it's called when they, when you have the suppressor that's sort of built into the gun in, internally suppressed or something. I don't know. I can't, anyway, I can't remember the term of it. I know you guys are out there screaming, it's this dum-dum. But anyway, I saw some of those and they were pretty cool. And they had a couple that when I was, you were watching the people shoot. In fact, one guy had made the comment. He said, man, I can't even hardly tell I'm shooting the gun because it was so quiet. And it was a, I think it was a 22 he was shooting this on. And of course there's no, you don't really get the massive recoil or anything like that. So I, I liked, I like that idea. I think that if we switch over to a little bit of political talk, I think you know, who knows what's going to happen come this November? Will the Republicans still maintain control? And even though that, even though that they've done that, and I've talked about this before, even though they've done that, they, 
they didn't really push anything through. They didn't fight for it. They just immediately rolled over, especially on the uh, Suppressor Act, on the Hearing Protection Act. And with the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act, again, like I had stated on a previous show, pretty much it's just a dog and pony show to... Uh, they know that it's going to die in the Senate, so to, so yeah, it came out of the House, but you know, so what? There's it's it's not going to happen up there, and you will see. Like I said, you probably will see some Democrats will vote for it because they're going to need at least sixty votes to get it through, and they're not going to that ain't going to happen, and they're not going to pull like a nuclear option type thing on there. So they have other stuff that they want, and they, I just ultimately I don't think they really care about it, and they probably don't. Most of them probably don't want it to go through. Uh, and if you, it may sound a little conspiratorial, but it, it, again, it's if you've got control over people, why are you going to give up control if you don't have to on a certain thing? So anyway, um, let's kind of get back to what I th- saw at the SHOT Show that I thought was pretty interesting and that I thought was kind of cool idea. If we go back and we, we jump back into shotgun world, again on Tuesday I was talking about the Mossberg and the Remington and their pump action shotguns with the detachable magazines. If I had to choose one, I would probably choose the Mossberg over the Remington because it just looks like to me that they had a little bit more development into theirs and a little bit more thought. And it looked like Remington was sort of doing catch-up and and, uh, and just kind of slapping stuff together. So even though technically Remington came out with their announcement first, it was only by a few days. So basically they came out at the same time. Again, my concerns with the... With the with the Mossberg and and uh, with the larger magazines, is it, are, is it really going to stay in the gun? And I think what I was saying at the end was, it's not like it's an AR where where you have kind of a big mag well, and, or like in an AK where a big chunk of that magazine is actually going up and in the gun. And maybe in the the Mossberg, maybe a big part of it is I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't seen them, but it does. It seems like the potential for that thing to get ripped out of off of the receiver is a little bit higher, especially when you're going up into the bigger stuff. Now, I did see the IWIs, their 12-gauge bullpup, that's semi-automatic, and it had that tri-tube thing on it that rotates. So if you go on YouTube and stuff, you'll, you'll be able to see tons of videos and you'll see how it works and all that stuff. With the videos from SHOT Show and with the stuff that they're shooting out at, you know, Media Day or whatever they call it, Industry Day, you always have to wonder, at least I do, are these guns cherry-picked? Have they been worked over to make sure that they're super reliable? Same thing with the magazines, how they're going to do this, how they're going to do that. Are they using specialty ammo? You know, who knows? But I uh, I know some people thought, eh, what's the big deal? You know, the 12-gauge bullpup, they, or they don't see a purpose for it. But I thought it was pretty cool. And just from, and some people are, are singing the praises, oh, in each tube, you know, you could have buckshot in one tube and slugs in the other tube, and then you could have birdshot in the other and this, that, the other thing. But I thought, well, shoot, you could have 15 rounds of two and three quarter inch double lot buck and one in the chamber. You could have 16 rounds of that in one gun. And well, you could do a lot of devastation with something like that, especially using something like that in a home defense thing. So if you're barricaded in the house or you're barricaded in your bedroom and there's intruders and you're just waiting and you're like, hey, the police have been called, get out of here. If they come through that door, you know, if you've done your practice with it, you're going to, that's going to be devastating to whoever comes through that doorway. But um, I thought too, 
Wasn't there a Caltech that had something like that, that with either rotating tubes or something that you could do? I thought there was. I can't remember. All right, so I had to take a little bit of a break there, but I am back now. So I think I was wrapping up with the IWI 12-gauge shotgun, their bullpup, which I think is a pretty cool idea. So anyway, uh, so if I have, if it's a rather abrupt end to what I was talking about before, I apologize on that. So what did I see that I thought was maybe kind of a dud or maybe was a solution in search of a problem? And I would probably say maybe it was that Franklin Armory thing. It seemed like that a lot of people were kind of poo-pooing it and saying that, you know, it was keyholing at 50 yards and it wasn't this super accurate thing. And this was supposed to be, for those of you guys that don't know, it was supposed to be sort of a short barrel length AR-15 type firearm that somehow skirts the ATF regulations. And so... What does that mean? I don't know. I ha- I wasn't, of course, not being at SHOT Show and not being able to talk to the guys. And I, I heard even that the people at Franklin Armory were kind of tight-lipped about why this thing is legal and this, that, and the other thing. So the one thing that, if it's true, that is a potential concern is if the rounds are keyholing at 50 yards. That is a, that's no bueno. So anyway... Like I said, I didn't see a whole lot of stuff that was really blowing my hair back. I think, uh, was it uh, Rock Island Arms or something came out with a little twenty-two Magnum type pistol. Uh, I, was, I was watching one guy's videos and he was shooting that and, and seemed to think it was pretty cool. And that sort of brings me up to another thing. If You know, a lot of times we talk about what's a good round for self-defense? Most people say, oh, nine millimeters, great. And 45 is fine. And, you know, people like to kind of crap on 40, but I mean, they're all basically about the same. But everybody says, oh, you don't ever want to use a 22. You don't ever want to use anything less than a nine millimeter, you know, 380. If you have to, you can, but, you know, you really shouldn't be going down into those things. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the the 22 Magnum could be a serviceable round if, if, if it was pressed, especially, you know, a lot of times people make those statements that I said before, Oh, don't ever go below nine millimeter or 380. And then they'll follow it up immediately. But well, you know, if all you have is a 22, that's all you have. It's better than nothing. And so I think that, I think that there is a place and I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that, but I think that there is a place where you could, especially with 22 Magnum, I think that is kind of a cool little round. Uh, and I'd like to see some more development on it. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, I think it's, what is it, Caltech Has that PMR 30, which a, uh, a buddy of mine, his brother has one of those. And at first I thought, oh, it holds 20 rounds, right? And he's like, no, it's 30. And I'm like, 30? Are you kidding me? And he's like, no, it holds 30 rounds. And so I thought, wow, that would be an awesome uh, little camping gun. Or if you're going out on the four wheelers for a day or so, you know, just, you know, messing around, that would be a cool little gun. I know with that, that there, there used to be, I don't know if it's still the case. There used to be some reliability issues with it, but I'd like to see some, some of the bigger companies get out there or even a, you know, a decent aftermarket company get out there and do something with that 22 Magnum. I think, like I said, I think it's a cool little round. 
very little recoil. Um, and if you could have something similar to what the, what Keltec, if that's the right company, I'm pretty sure it was Keltec. If you could have something similar to that, either in a, uh, in a carbine or in another type of, uh, type of handgun, the one, the one thing I would say that I didn't like necessarily about the Keltec is it is a little wide. So if you had smaller hands, it may be not that great for you. So a lot of times I, I, I sort of view this through the lens of if I was carrying something like that and I was out with my daughter and something happened where I took a round and then she was going to have to pick that gun up and use it, would she be able to operate it or would the recoil be too much? You know, this, that, and the other thing. So, and she shot, you know, some of my Glocks, but she's a, a petite little thing and she doesn't have gigantic hands. She doesn't obviously have the strength of an adult. So something like that may be more up her alley. Uh, also, I just like the idea of you've got a handgun with 30 rounds. So, you know, you've got, if you if you had that in an extra magazine, man, you, you're rocking 60 rounds. So that's pretty cool. So anyway, what else did I want to talk about? The show today, this is just sort of an addendum to the, uh, to the mobile studio stuff. Oh, I was looking at the other day, I was looking at some stippling videos. And I kind of came across the Polymer 80 thing. And I thought what I, my idea of that, it was, and I think if you go on their website, it's about $160 for their lower for that Glock. And it's basically a Glock lower. And what I thought and wondered about is I've got that Advantage Arms 22 conversion kit for my Glock 17. So I wondered if I could get a Glock 17 uh, lower, that 80% lower, and then mill it out, and then would it work with the with that Advantage Arms kit? I, I couldn't see why it wouldn't work. It's basically just a lower. It's not really doing anything. That It's not doing anything different than my 17 lower is doing. So I don't see why it wouldn't work. Um, so I may do something like that, and if I, if I do, I will... I will go through, uh, I'll try and film that stuff and put it on YouTube and then also put it on, um, maybe put it up on Facebook or something like that as well, or put links to it at least. But again, that's going to be something that's kind of out there. Oh, uh, out in the future, excuse me. Um, I did get the outer impact little plate and it's kind of a cool little thing. You know, it's, uh, it's just a, a kind of a simple mounting plate with several different holes in the thing. And the way it works is you have a little, you drive out the sight, your rear sight, and then you put that on there. So I need to get to the range this week and do that. Installation of it is is pretty easy. You just got to make sure everything is sort of centered up. And then what I think I might do to help a little bit with co-witnessing, you know, the, the Delta Point Pro has on the back a little slot where you can put in a, basically a rear sight and then you can, uh, if you've got a high enough front sight on the front, then you can sort of, you know, kind of co-witness or just help you to, to line up and everything. So what I thought I might do on the back of that RMR is I'll find the center of it and then maybe just put like a little line. And then I don't know if later on I'll, I'll do maybe a larger front sight. Uh, again, this is just kind of, uh, oh, like a test phase for me type thing. So I may do something like that. I've, um, I was doing a bunch of practice presentations with it, you know, kind of like dry fire style. I'm, I'm finding that I, um, 
once I get the form of it, I don't have a problem really picking up the dot. So I think it may be something that actually might work for me. But like I said, I need to get it to the range. I need to see how actually durable it's going to be. Let's get back to sort of installation. You, you, it's got a little piece that goes into where the dovetail slot is, and there's two little nubs that are on that piece. And then once you put that into, into your dovetail slot, then you take that plate and it kind of snaps down in, into those pins, and then you can kind of screw those down in there, and you get a pretty good purchase. And it says, oh, you know, do this to, I think it's 25 inch pounds. And there's another thing that when you put the, when you put your RMR on there, it's supposed to be like 15 inch pounds, but I, I don't have an inch pound wrench. So I just had to use uh, some Allen wrenches and a Torx key. So I think, and, and uh, I just put them on there now just to get the fit. So I'll have to take those off and lock tight them on. And then I'll take it down to the range this, uh, hopefully this week I'll be able to get down there and sort of adjust the dot and see if, see how it works for me. So Oh, let's see. Anything else going on? I think that's about it. I'd I'd be curious if anybody has done or has had experience with the Polymer 80 on that Glock slide and tell me kind of what you think. Do you think it's a good quality thing? Do you think it's garbage? Uh, like I said, I wouldn't mind uh, maybe getting one of those and then seeing if I can't have a a dedicated 22 with that Advantage Arms thing and then this and then it just sort of lives on there and then I've kind of got like a 22 Glock with a little bit different frame it looks like from what I looked on the on the internet it looks like it's got there's no finger grooves and there's no uh it's it's got the undercuts for the trigger and then on 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 their website it said that you could either order one that is a it's sort of got their uh, texture and then you can get one that they call mod ready, which basically means it's just smooth so that you can go in and you can do your own stippling and all that other stuff. They're the same price. Uh, so I don't know. I may, I may get one that's the mod ready and then try my hand at stippling and see how it goes. And, uh, I mean, what's, you know, I, I don't think I could mess it up that bad. So anyway, I think we will go ahead and call the show to a close for today. Hopefully this wasn't too rambling and incoherent. Like I said, I'm just sort of talking off the top of my head here a little bit. Let me give you the contact info again real quick, and then we'll we'll call it a day. So if you'd like to contact me, voicemail 206-745-2731. Email address for audio and emails, firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, guys, that's it. I will talk to you next time.